I think one of the things I touched on was, was content writers. I think there's a lot of content writers in the industry that don't necessarily understand the psychology behind players, or they don't think as consumers would. So they're writing from a marketing and a sales perspective, um, when actually if you switch your mindset and get them educated on thinking like a consumer and how that information is being presented to them, then you're going to get rid of a lot of the sort of the simpler compliance issues. I'm John Wright, and you're listening to Affiliate BI, the business intelligence and affiliate marketing podcast brought to you by Statsdrome. So welcome to the Affiliate BI podcast. I got a special guest, uh, someone I've known in affiliate marketing and iGaming for a very long time. Uh, we're both uh, iGaming dinosaurs and affiliate marketing. Uh, Ian, I'm going to pass it to you to do an introduction and tell us what you're doing now and tell us a bit, bit about your history in iGaming and affiliate marketing. Sure. Hi, John. Thanks for having me on. Um, yeah, I've, I've, a lot of you may already know me. I've been an affiliate or was an affiliate, I should say, for a good well, 12 years from 2004 to 2016, when I sold my affiliate network, I, I mainly in iGame, in, in iGaming, sort of doing casino and slots. Um, I'm a programmer by trade. Uh, before that, I was uh, working for banks and financial institutions. It's quite so exciting. Um, but yeah, ultimately, I sold my network and then started up Rightlander, which we'll obviously talk a little bit more about later um, in terms of how that fits into the story. But yeah, compliance, unfortunately, is now my thing, or fortunately, depending on how you, how you look at it, John. Yeah, it's uh, we're, we're going to try to make compliance uh, exciting. And I know you were just on the AWIN podcast recently. So I listened to that just to get some notes. But I mean, I think we both kind of touch on compliance in different ways. And we've like as an as an affiliate back five, six, seven years ago, started experiencing and going, wow, this is really painful. And I think uh, I think you might have stumbled in the right thing at the right time. It might not look sexy, <laughs> but everyone kind of needs this work. Well, that, that, I I think compliance actually is not necessarily a problem. It can be a solution as, as we'll discuss a little bit as we go on. I think it's very easy to think of compliance as, as a bad thing that you have to kind of get around, but actually, if you think outside the box a bit, it can work in your favor and we'll, we'll cover that a little bit. So it's not quite as bad as it seems. Well, that explains like what you said earlier about having a programming background, because I remember some of your sites and looking at them. I mean, I looked at every affiliate site I could get my hands on. So when I looked through yours, they were very data focus, like you put data points about slot games that I'm like, are players interested in this? And what I believe was that they probably were because I think, you know, um, that type of uh, player better than anyone where you broke down the data. And I think when you look at all the other regular slot sites, they're all just kind of like the same. So I just kind of want to get your take on adding that extra layer of data and really knowing your customer and being able to do something different that I, I think most affiliates are just get lazy and they don't want to, they don't want to do that extra work. Yeah. I mean, bear in mind that I came into this industry as a player. So I'm enthusiastic as well about, um, casino games, video poker slots were my thing still are when I go to Vegas. So I think that obviously helps a little bit when you've got an enthusiasm for something and being a programmer, I kind of wanted to marry the two together. So when I first started, it was kind of more about the opinion side of things. So, you know, as a player and going and playing the games, whether it be online or offline, I felt I was well positioned to do that. Much like influencers are today in their different fields, you know, they, they kind of, they live a life and they, they're enthusiastic about it. They know what they're talking about. And that's why they're so successful. You know, when you're after information on a product or, or if you want someone to come and do some work in your house, you go to the experts rather than just, you know, someone who says they know something about it. 
So really, when I first started, it was opinion-based. But I think as, as kind of time went on and the affiliate landscapes changed and changed even more since I left it, and, and obviously you're at the behest of Google and various other sort of traffic tools, and, and it really um, data became more of a focus to try and retain authority, which is kind of what I was trying to build. I, I think if you can be an authority, which is a key word here, then I think you, know, you, you can get a bit further. So that, that's kind of where the data thing came from. And, and Slots Comparer, which was the, uh, my main sort of data site, had a lot of data that we fed in um, on, on every slot game, trying to understand the psychology of a player. And if you, know, if you liked Cleopatra, what other games are you going to like? Yes, you might like Egyptian-themed slots, but ultimately it's more about the gameplay. And so it kind of fed in all this data that then you could go and do a search on and, and get other games that kind of will give you a similar a vibe. So I've always been a fan of data and using data in that way. And it takes opinion out of the equation, um, which still has a lot of relevance, but makes life for me a little bit easier as a programmer. That's an interesting take you just highlighted about combining this idea of authority, which is important. And it's becoming more important as time goes on with Google, but, you know, bringing it full circle back to data. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> Google's always been talking about authority. Um, I guess, I guess. But back in the day, it was more about um, quality content. That was the thing, wasn't it? That was the phrase that everyone used. And I think there was a, a very different sort of take on what quality content was. To some people, it was well-written content, which is kind of what AI can do for you now. And a lot of it was not necessarily well-written content, but actually knowing what you're talking about. And I think when you go to an opinion site, you know, if you go to TripAdvisor, for example, when you're going on holiday, you want people that have been there, seen it, done it. And if someone just says, oh, I think Rome is a really nice place to go. I've, you know, it's got a great Colosseum, blah, blah, blah. You think, well, yeah, that's great. I can find that out from a hundred different places. But when someone says, I've been to Rome, I've been in the Colosseum, by the way, you get ripped off. And that's the sort of information you want. So I've always thought as authority as being the sort of stickiness that will make people come back to you rather than just quality content. Yeah, I think that's a, a topic for another time of, uh, <laughs> yeah, probably. I mean, authority sounds so simple, but it's, you're right. It's, uh, there's a lot of people that won't just take that extra time to do that work, to become authority. And, you know, you got to yeah, live it. You can get people doing it for you. You know, you don't have to be the authority yourself. If you've got a team of people that know what they're talking about. I mean, this goes into the whole content writing thing, which actually is also one of the biggest problems when it comes to compliance, I should point out, which we can talk about, but. You know, it doesn't have to be you as the authority providing that they think you've got authoritative information. Okay. I want to go into your story of how did Rightlander come about? Hmm. Okay. So it was an accident, to be honest with you. <laughs> I love these stories. <laughs> so when I sold my network um, to Blexa in, in Malta in 2016, I kind of wanted a reason to stay involved in the industry because I loved all the conferences, had a lot of friends in the industry. I thoroughly enjoyed it. It was great. And I thought there's probably more opportunities in there for me, but I didn't necessarily want to leap into something else. So, so, so quickly. So I had, I'd built this tool for myself, which is basically just, a, uh, it, it used to go out every night and, and screenshot all the landing pages that I was sending all my traffic to across all the sort of operators. And every morning I could just have my cup of tea and look at the pictures and think, okay, that one's broken. That one's changed. That's not relevant and fix them up. So I thought I'll take that to market when I sold my site. It's a great way of keeping you know, in the industry and affiliates would probably appreciate that. And as I was building it, um, basically the UKGC said, actually compliance, um, we're quite interested in this now. And it all sort of happened over that sort of year period that I was building it. So I just kind of tweaked the tool to see if it could pull out data from websites as it was a bit of a scraper anyway. And that's how Rightlander came about essentially 
we had a knock on a door 2018, very beginning off from Leo Vegas, and then another knock on the door from um, Bigo at the time, who'd both been hit with fines saying, you know, can you help us? And that's kind of where it snowballed from. I like the accidental stories, but um, it's also really interesting timing for you. It's, uh, I remember, I remember getting all these compliance emails, 2017 coming in all at the same time. And for me, it was uh, painful being an affiliate, having to fix uh, a compliance issue that would save me $500 that would cost me 10,000 to do the <laughs> programming. Yeah. Look, look, I think, I think, you know, compliance hit everyone quite hard and never, no one really knew what they were talking about at that stage. You know, there were no rules. Um, and so it took a little while for people to kind of understand what it meant. Um, but I think at that point, yeah, it was seen as a real pain in the proverbials, but I think as time has gone on, I think you can think about this differently. If, if an affiliate shifts their mindset a little bit and thinks actually in every problem, there's an opportunity. And, and if you think about compliance as an opportunity rather than a problem, you can actually see some real benefits from it because you can manage the expectations of consumers. And if you can do that, then basically all the way up the chain from the moment the consumer arrives at your website, right through to them becoming, you know, a, a, a sign up, a signed up customer, an operator, everyone up that chain is going to be much more appreciative of the fact they've got someone that understands what they're getting into. So I think it benefits everyone. You just got to think differently about compliance and not see it as a, as a pain point and see it as how it can help you. And there are other ways, the data that compliance can give you and the way it makes you position the data on your website. The focus perhaps you put on promotions and, and terms and conditions and stuff, it shifts all that. You just got to think a little bit differently. It's an interesting take you're highlighting, which is compliance could, it, well, it's not that it could, it probably does and it should improve the conversion rate for affiliates, for players, for operators. Yeah. Uh, and ultimately, everyone's trying to, you know, the whole idea of compliance at the moment of what the regulators are doing is trying to protect the consumer. There's also an element of brands wanting to protect their brand integrity and their risk. And obviously if they get fined, it threatens the integrity of affiliate programs as well. So don't get me wrong. There are lots of things to think about, um, and, and issues at hand, but ultimately if you've got happy consumers, you're going to have a happy industry. You won't have, you have a lot less of the problem players on, on, on your books. You'll have people that understand what they're getting into a bit more. They won't just be focused on all free money which is always has been and always will be a problem because it, it appeals to human greed and, and that's never a good thing when you're selling something. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I'm a, I'm a big fan of actually managing expectations and I always used to do that on my slot, slot site. I didn't used to promote bonuses at all or very rarely I might mention them, but they certainly weren't a focus because I always saw that as an extra that someone would get when they got to the website. So if they were keen on going through to play at, you know, XYZ casino, and then they get there and find actually you also get $50 playing that's like lifting their expectations even further and i guess that's the difference between uh, us two selling affiliate sites and you sold a blexer and probably got a, a lot more for it <laughs> yeah i'm yeah i'm not gonna lie it's a good deal yeah uh so what would you say are some of the different uh like common compliance uh issues that you see for maybe on the operator side and obviously spilling into the affiliate side of, of business I think one of the things I touched on was, was content writers. I think there's a lot of content writers in the industry that don't necessarily understand the psychology behind players, or they don't think as consumers would. So they're writing from a marketing and a sales perspective, um, when actually if you switch your mindset and get them educated on thinking like a consumer and how that information is being presented to them, then you're going to get rid of a lot of the sort of 
the simpler compliance issues. So for example, we come across a lot of text, um, a lot of phraseology and a lot of um, information that's very much designed to make people think they can make money from gambling. However you look at it, that's essentially what the text is saying. And that's not the right approach. If, if, you, if you go to someone with that and put that in their heads, they're coming in really for the wrong reasons. You know, there is this argument gambling is, can make you money. There's this argument that gambling is entertainment, but you have to manage the expectations of the individual. And I think a lot of content writers just think, oh, I've got some text. I'll put something out there that sounds nice and pretty, and we'll try and get them to knock on the door and come in. And I think that's just too simplistic. Yeah. Right. So yeah, the mindset's really, really important to put yourself in the mind of a consumer. To be honest with you, it's just common sense, John. Yeah. A lot of compliance is just common sense. If you read something that's been put in front of you, more often than not, most of us will know when we're being misled or if we're being exaggerated or we'll understand that sales is sales. But a lot of people don't. A lot of people get taken in or they're in, you don't know their financial position or their situation at home. You don't know if they're looking for escapism, whether they need money. You don't know if they're in debt. Uh, you don't know what pressures are on them, basically. So everyone's going to read that bit of text differently. And, and But I think you touched on it in a really interesting way that content writing is actually one of the core parts of the problem where, like, I've been in the situation before with my previous affiliate sites of hiring content writers. I train them, but every time I look over the stuff, I'm like, no, don't write that. And it's like you said, they, they talk about it from a sales point of view, and they have a pressure to produce content at the best quality and as fast as possible for a set rate. I mean, they're all getting paid uh, quite often uh, by the word. So um, yeah, I think it's uh, it's not easy to train good writers. And I think that's what maybe separates the, the the best affiliates of like, they put a lot of effort into it and they're maybe indirectly being just more compliant by focusing on this quality aspect. And of course that leads us nicely into a conversation about AI. <laughs> so, Absolutely. I mean, you know, we, we know how that's being viewed at the moment. I mean, it's a fast changing environment, but a lot of people are thinking about AI as, as a content writer, really, which, you know, is well and good. Um, my, my personal opinion is, you know, if you're trying to do it to rank in Google, then so are a thousand other people, you know, all you've done is taken a thousand people competing for the top 10 spots and made all their content better. So, so I'm, I don't believe that's a solution there, but what's really interesting, you know, we've done some research into AI and how it potentially help or impact what we're doing from a compliance perspective. And the one thing that's really interesting, apart from the fact, obviously, a lot of it's working on older data, um, unless you kind of got your own data or you're, you buy more up-to-date packages, it doesn't really fully understand the nuances of compliance. So we, we had an example recently, I can't remember the country, it might have been Italy, but I can't remember where we, we asked AI to write a, an article for us on um, the regulatory landscape for gambling in Italy. And it came back with what looked on the surface a pretty good article about bonuses and what you can and can't do. But there were actually little nuances in the, in, I think it was Italy, I, I might have my, my facts wrong here, but there were little nuances in terms of you, you couldn't, um, you had to compare different operators. You couldn't have pages about a single operator and stuff. And it didn't recognize that. It just was blanket. You shouldn't be talking about this. So, so if you start to rely on AI for the facts in your article to build your authority, I think that's really quite precarious ground, especially in regulatory environments. And I think what's dangerous about that is not everyone's writing about that type of content. So if they're one of the few that actually publish it, they actually might get rankings and real traffic going to those pages, believing it to be true. And then of course, people are writing their own articles from seeing that one article. And, and yeah, it's just, yeah. uh, it's a good point. Yeah, absolutely. Good point. 
AI is only as good as the data it can access. I, th I think this is, this is where the affiliates in the future that will win out will be really smart, that they'll be building, we're going back to the data question, they'll be building their own data sets and their own databases and, and their own um, ways of mining data that no one else can get access to. And they'll be able to control who has that and it'll be authoritative data. But until, you know, AI is, it's just one of these things that we're going to see a lot of changes over the next few years and they'll be good and they'll be bad. Um, but I think it's, yeah, people have to approach it with caution. Okay. I've got a couple curveball questions and it's going to tie into AI and it's going to also tie into what affiliates have to do. To As an affiliate marketer, you'll want to celebrate your first sale, learn about a drop in clicks and revenue, discover new brands, be notified when programs close, see an increase in earnings per click, identify underperforming campaigns. Your affiliate programs won't tell you when these things happen, but we will. Whether good things are happening to your business or bad, we are here for you and we've got your back. Statsdrone is the number one affiliate CRM tool that helps you get your data, manage your biz with CRM tools, and analyze data with business intelligence. Visit statsdrone.com or find the link in the show notes. Be successful. Um, do you think AI is going to make it such that the big affiliates, like let's just use Blexer as an example, that can afford to invest big money into AI in every aspect? It's like getting the right tools, hiring the right people. Do you think this is going to help some of these affiliate companies just get stronger at the expense of making it more difficult for the small to mid-sized affiliates to just like get their foot in the door? Um, yeah, to a degree. Um, everything's cyclical. So, so. I believe that there are always niches and we go back to the whole authority thing again, where you can build authority in specific niches. And if you use data correctly, but anyway, you know, there's a lot of data out there. You don't have to be a big company to go and get your hands on API feeds and good, interesting data or to collect data. Yes. Some to some of it costs, I get that. And, and bigger companies will be able to afford more, but I don't know. I, I can't answer the question outright, but my feeling is. There, there'll be, there could equally be as much of a leveling of the playing field as there could be an advantage to the bigger operators. I think it depends on how smart you are, how you use it, what data you collect and what you do with it. I don't think money is necessarily the be all and end all of making AI work effectively for you. And I think uh, your answer is very similar to some SEOs that I've interviewed that have kind of said more or less the same thing where they believe authority is your gateway towards not only just getting your foot in the door, but actually you know, making, carving your own space. Authority comes from data a lot of the time as well. So, you know, you, what you really want is data that's yours and no one else has. That's what you really want. And it's not impossible to get. You just need to spend some time doing it. You know, when I, when I built Slots Comparer, you know, I had a couple of guys helping me and we went out and we analyzed all the games and we spent months and months and months collecting data that no one else had, but it's not difficult to get. It's just time, you know, it's just understanding it, getting a couple of people involved that knew what slot games meant, how they, how they worked and how the psychology worked. We pulled that data together and it was very successful. It cost me very, very little to employ them to do that. Uh, next question, it's kind of, it almost ties into the previous one of like, you know, will the affiliates get bigger and what's the competitive advantage? Because it's like affiliates need to be good at two things, like getting the traffic and usually we're going to just say it's SEO, even though it's now video and a whole bunch of other things. And then they got to be sometimes good at the tech. Now you can launch your site on WordPress and not like just be oblivious to the world. But then as you get deeper, it's like all these data points, like you yourself built a, a custom CMS, I think, and you used like a lot of data points. So that data point uh, became published 
and you know you're able to pivot like the categories so do you think like the 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 data driven part of it uh is what helps affiliates become more compliant which also has a secondary bonus of just making them convert better and having a stronger usp yeah quite possibly i, I can see that when you start dealing with opinions versus data so you can have websites that have opinion and we talked about authority and how that opinion can build authority and we've talked about websites that can use data and the two can come together of course you can have both so it, it's it's probably easier to fall over on the compliance side when you're talking about opinion especially if you've got the sales mindset going um than it is on the data side where ultimately you know you're regurgitating data but i think what affiliates can do if they go more with the data route is they can become data providers so it needn't necessarily be about selling to the consumer directly it might be about creating data feeds or creating services and provisions that operators or other affiliates can use you know very much like you've done john actually um you know create something that that can potentially be used by other people so so I think the smart affiliates will recognize that you can probably do both, but, but ultimately you need to diversify. And that's always been the case to be fair. You know, you don't want to, you don't want all your eggs in one basket. Yeah. Uh, going further into social media, um, are you seeing uh, more affiliates get into the space where it's becoming like more of a prominent marketing channel that does drive players to operators, uh, and yeah, just, uh, like I think yeah. we've seen in the past 10 years where that was maybe the first wave of compliance where companies said, no, we don't want you po posting these bonuses on social media because when the bonus expires, it's uh, the amount of work you have to go back in time to delete that. Like you're, you're not able to maintain a proper database in the social media environment. I think social media and gambling are a bad mix, if I'm honest. I think it's um, the regulatory environment that surrounds gambling. And also from an ethical point of view, you know, when you're, when you're ranking in Google, you're ranking your content for people that are actively looking for, for gambling content. They're looking for opportunities to go and play or whatever. Social media is not like that. A lot of the time you're putting your, I mean, it can be a little bit like that, but you're putting a lot of your content in front of people that don't really understand gambling. They haven't really gone actively looking for it. They don't necessarily understand the risks attached to it. They might think it's a bit of fun for whatever reason. So I've never been a great fan of voting on social media for one thing. So maybe I've got a bit of bias there. Secondly, from a compliance perspective, what you just said is very true. So, so these, these platforms are very much walled gardens. They don't really care whether you're a compliance company, whether you're a marketing company, they just don't really like showing you what they've got and how they do it. And obviously there've been talks between governments and these platforms in terms of how they put controls in place. But you know, we all know the response to that has been relatively muted. So, so I don't hold out too much hope that they're going to suddenly get all ethical and worried about the compliance side. So, so when I'm talking to operators or when we're talking to operators, generally speaking, it's a difficult conversation within the gambling sphere. It becomes easier when you, when you get outside of gambling, um, into the influencer sphere and slightly less regulated areas where you're kind of operating more under advertising standards rather than strict, you know, regulatory, um, rules that we have in gambling. Um, but my, my, if I was starting up an operator now, if I was going to that side of things or an affiliate again, I wouldn't be going anywhere near social media video. Yeah. I think video's got some, some mileage in it. But again, if you're using the main platforms from a compliance perspective, they're dangerous areas. You know, it doesn't take much for someone to say something in a video without really thinking about it that can bring a brand into disrepute or can actually threaten the viability of an affiliate program. You know, you've seen all these. 
um, the, the, the streamers, for example, they can get a little bit overexcited. Some of them are very you know, great fun. They do a fantastic job. But every now and again, it wouldn't surprise me if a, you know, a comment came out that you think, oh, hang on a second, you shouldn't really be saying that. And it's very difficult to police, even for a company like us, it's very difficult to police um, those, those communities. I think that's uh, probably the, the core reason why Barstool was basically bought out. You know, it's like Barstool Pen Gaming, they're like, you can't say these things. <laughs> no, that's it. You know, it's um, as an affiliate, you join an affiliate program and, you know, obviously once you're in it, you want to make, it needs to work for you. You don't want a threat of being cut off. And I think, I think if you've got other affiliates out there doing the social and the streaming thing, then you're in more risk of having a problem come from that program when, when those risks rebound onto them. So that's how I always looked at it. I don't want to be in a pool of affiliates that are doing dodgy or difficult, awkward stuff. In the, I know for like things like YouTube and I'm assuming Twitch has it, although I haven't dug further into it, where you're able to create a profile and as you publish content, you're able to say, is this suitable for adults? So you're able to do uh, a couple of these filters. And obviously with, with us being affiliates in the past where we've been able to say, well, there's geo-targeting, like block certain countries. Do you think social media will at some point have these tools where my profile can actually say, you know what, I don't want users able to view my content from these countries. And I can actually even take it a step further and say, some of these posts are like in order for them to be compliant, because I'm talking about, let's say personal finance advice. I have to add this little addendum that says, this is not personal, uh, this is not financial advice. Do you think these tools actually might start appearing as much as I think they're basic as basic as hell to integrate? I think they will, but I think it'll come from outside pressure rather than inside decision-making. You know, if, if you get a regulator that turns around to the operators in the gambling space and says, right, okay, we don't want any of your affiliates advertising on social media channels until that's in place. A lot of the big brands are going to pull out of their advertising from Facebook and, and Cohen, and that might make them think twice about it. It might take, you know, quite a sea change to do that. I don't hold out a lot of hope that it'll be anytime soon. Um, but it'd be quite a nice thing to have, to be fair. Yeah, I think, uh, I think it just uh, needs to be kind of pushed on them, but I think you're right. I think it's going to happen more from a, a government perspective rather than an industry kind of like, Hey guys, uh, here's a free, easy thing to implement. And once you do, you're going to have, uh, the ability to, you know, just get more traffic, monetize everything. Yeah. Uh, what are some changes you'd like to see in affiliate marketing uh, for both affiliates and or publishers as well as operators and affiliate programs? I mean, the one thing I've seen over the past three or four years while, while sort of working in compliance is well, quite surprised at the number of big operators that, that chop down their affiliate programs and cut off affiliates because of the, the compliance risks or perhaps other reasons that are not being necessarily that transparent about. I think that's bad news for everyone because i think affiliates generally speaking don't just say oh i've been cut off i'm going to go away they think right okay i'm going to go to someone that wants me and when you're in a regulated environment there are plenty of black market and gray market operators that want affiliates and a lot of those operators are actually very good you know i've, I've in the past before compliance was a thing i've worked and played at a number of different um operators that now would be regulated and some would be unregulated and i could yeah i could easily list a bunch of what you call gray market operators that are fantastic experiences for players. So it's not a bad thing from the player perspective necessarily, other than the fact, obviously, they don't have the, um, the, the uh, regulatory sort of uh, net to sort of support them when, when there's a problem. But I think if big brands are cutting off affiliates, you're going to send more of those to the dark, dark side. It's not a term I use, but it's dark side I've seen. The darker side, 
And um, the more affiliates that do that, the more there's going to be of that stuff in, in Google and, you know, the, the bigger the problem that the regulated brands make for themselves. So I'd much rather see them work with affiliates and think of them as partners rather than just a means to an end and actually nurture the ones that aren't doing it right and help them to thrive and help them to understand what compliance is, what it means and why they should be doing it right. There'll always be the old one you can't control. I get that. But ultimately, you need the majority to be working with you. Otherwise, the majority are going to be working with people you don't want them working with. That's uh, fascinating. I didn't even uh, look at it from that point of view. Like I did have a, a mindset of obviously seeing that, you know, when things are not favorable, where you got specific markets, I don't want to name which markets, but when they impose like really strict, um, uh, you know, gaming laws that kind of hurt, maybe not hurt players, but encourage them to basically jump the fence. It's encouraging affiliates to jump the fence. And I think what you've highlighted is, uh, is definitely a reality. It's if you're using all this compliance to kind of, you know, chip away at your affiliates and you end up with like less operators to work with, especially in very uh, specific markets, um, you get affiliates that think, why do I want to do this? And why not have two sites and one's uh, the dark market and the other one's, uh, you know, the legal markets. And even with new affiliates that I talk to that want to get started, um, it's really difficult for me even saying you want to go this uh, route because, I mean, if you look at the U.S. market, all right, you kind of need like a lot of money to pay for licensing. And, you know, what does it look like? You know, I think the, the licensing model looks interesting, but I think I think we're all just kind of encouraging people to to pick a path that the whole industry is saying we don't even want to have. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Yeah, that, and that, like I said, there are good operators out there that wouldn't necessarily be regulated as well. So as long as the affiliates are doing their due diligence and they're understanding that they're working with, with operators that are good for consumers, it won't necessarily have a massive, massive impact on the consumer, but it will have a massive impact on the regulated um, economy within gambling. I, th I think it'd be also be quite nice to have a, some sort of body um, that the operators kind of could report into and, and help affiliates understand compliance a bit better because there's still there's still confusion out there as to you know from an affiliate perspective as to what they should be doing you know every month we're finding stuff and reporting it to programs and we try to encourage those programs to work with the affiliate to get it fixed and to help them educate and understand it we don't want them just cutting off the affiliate you know, the ones that do it repeatedly fair enough make a decision on that but ultimately I, there needs to be someone out there that can teach affiliates how to do compliance effectively and, and have a common set of rules yeah. rather than just everyone having their different ideas about what it means. I uh, fully agree in the sense that, I mean, like we've got 2000 accounts for testing and the compliance, like we still got to be compliant, even though we're not sending traffic. But uh, I just find that the, the messages coming from operators is not consistent. It's uh, they're asking for certain things and it's like, okay, are like, what's the reason behind it? Like, you know, notarized uh, passport and things like that. Um, and then sometimes the compliance requests they, they, they try to reference uh, the gaming laws, but I'm like, where in, where in the law does it state that this is the compliant part? It's almost like operators sometimes pick and choose what they want to be compliant, or maybe sometimes to leverage the compliance to get something else out of it. Or they don't necessarily fully understand it. And, and to be fair, you know, a lot of the regulatory bodies issue guidelines rather than hard and fast rules. So there is an element of interpretation that has to go into compliance. But ultimately, if you had a central source that could unpick that and, and form a common view that people could subscribe to. So if, you know, you get the Bet365s and the Entains and the, and the, you know, the flutters of this world into that sort of working group and come up with a sort of common idea about what they want, it's going to help the industry in those territories. 
to understand more about what's required of them. And then once you get to that sort of more of a stable flux, you can probably start to build up your affiliate programs again in a much more compliant way. And, and without isolating all these affiliates who are going to run off and promote the gray market ones because they just don't know what's going on and can't get any traffic. And it probably should be done this way because if we don't do it this way, uh, more of our chat GPT is going to basically make those rules for us and someone's going to write that article. And... <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, you know, if there are rules that everyone follows, I don't really mind what they are. <laughs> but it just has to be a common set of, of guidelines that everyone can understand. And that, yeah, that's one of the biggest headaches for everyone. So going down this uh, compliance rabbit hole, I know you mentioned a few times that there's just a lot of interesting data behind the work you do and what you, you uncover for both operators and affiliates. And I just wanted to ask if there are any data stories that came to light or what was surprising that when you started to build Rightlander that like you obviously get to see data in both a different way and see data that not everyone um, gets a chance to even look at, even though they could probably try to build this themselves. So I'm just wondering what kind of stories that have come to light. I mean, there was a very, there was quite um, an amusing story from, from three years ago now, uh, where we, it's, it's a commonly known um, scam, really, um, using one of the Tabula ad networks where what we assumed was an affiliate was putting out some content saying that there was a, a C, CEO of a company, you could fill in the company because they used a lot of different ones, was in trouble because there was a loophole in the software that allowed people to win lots of money. And we identified that one of our clients was um, implicated in this article. There were links, affiliate links, actually, to this client within the article. So we notified them. Um, they got us straight on a call uh, with with a marketing their marketing department. And what became quite quickly, quite quite clear, quite quickly, was the fact that um, they were trying to find out how we'd found it, <laughs> what we actually where we managed to discover this content, and it became clear quite quickly that actually maybe it wasn't an affiliate doing this after all. Okay. <laughs> it was coming from internally. So that was quite a funny, interesting conversation. But I think, I think the, the one thing that um, has struck me most about compliance since becoming an affiliate and going into this and, and realizing that I was doing it wrong as well was, was not applying common sense to what I was writing. I wasn't looking at it from a consumer point of view. I was thinking of it as a, I need to get them in to be a player point of view. And a lot of my content I look back at now and I shudder. It, well, it's gone now, thankfully, obviously, because it's gone. But, but I wrote some stuff that I'm you know, not particularly proud of because I, I now think about it differently. So, so a lot of what we see every day is just because people haven't thought it through. You know, it's easy to win money at X, Y, Z. Or, you know, I've... I've I paid off my car with the money I won on this slot. You know, all these sorts of things. It's just, you know, the moment you say it, it sounds wrong, but you'd be amazed how much of it there is out there. Yeah, it's quite a bit. I mean, I think we've all seen like the car payment uh, bonus hunting articles where <laughs> if you follow it and, uh, you know, there's certain ways of actually making money off of bonuses, you could do that. But uh, I yeah, think it's... It, uh, even the phrase make money is, is bad. You know, you can make money. You just, the moment you say that, you're in trouble. So you have to think a little bit about that phraseology and how you present it, but they're so natural to say, aren't they? You know, a lot of the, the, the phrases that we think of just, you just write without thinking, actually, when you think about it are a little bit misleading, exaggerated, or create a false idea of what someone can achieve. I'll put my hand up and say, yeah, uh, I, I don't want to even read the stuff I wrote 10 years ago, <laughs> uh, targeting <laughs> players. It's uh, let's just not go there. Uh, last question, what do you see as the future of affiliate marketing as it intersects with business intelligence? I think probably, you know, I'll just reiterate, um, a couple of points that I've made before, which is owning data. I think if you, you know, if you can own your own data, 
uh, collect your own data, then that's going to be very valuable. So I think that um, smart affiliates will be doing that. I think the the data provider thing is something that's worth looking at. If you're then collecting that data, how can you use it? It doesn't necessarily have to be just to consumers. You know, there are other people that could use that data, but the ultimate thing is you retain control of it. Um, and then the authority thing, you know, not, not everyone can necessarily get the traffic in. So how can you use authority to get yourself a much more, perhaps a smaller, a smaller share of the pie, but customers that are genuinely interested in the fact that you're playing video poker and you know the strategy, for example. So I think authority is, is something that's really important. If you bring those three together, then you've, you've got a recipe for success. And we're going back to the, the big networks getting in the way of that success. The bigger they get, the more risk there is. You know, if you've got 2,000 websites out there, there's a reasonable chance that one or two of those are going to have some stuff on there that might be picked up and, and that by a regulatory um, body of some sort and, and lead to trouble. And, you know, we know there are four or five big networks in the industry. It is a bit of an accident waiting to happen. You know, there could come a time for the smaller affiliate when actually a lot of your competition suddenly disappears because the industry's changed. That makes sense. Uh, Ian Sims, thank you so much for doing this. How can people get a hold of you? Um, well, they, they can always email me at ian.sims at rightlander.com if they feel inclined to do so, or if they want to learn more about compliance stuff and how that affects them, more than happy to answer those questions on that through that email address. Cool. Um, and I'm on LinkedIn, LinkedIn as well, ian.sims on LinkedIn. And then we'll put all the, that info in the show notes, including rightlander.com. So obviously okay. where you're going to get that compliance. Uh, Ian, thank you so much for doing this. No worries. Thanks, John. Thank you for tuning in to the Affiliate BI podcast. I'd like to take this time to ask for a small favor to leave a rating and review wherever you listen to your podcast. That helps us expand our reach to rank higher in podcast directories and reach more listeners.